We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode of Big Screen Sports is brought to you by BarkBox. Treat your pets with one free extra month of BarkBox at GetBarkBox.com slash Big Screen. That's GetBarkBox.com slash Big Screen. Let's not have a meltdown out here, huh? It's me. What? Yeah, I don't think he appreciates me farting in his face all night. First it was accidental, now I'm trying to make him cry. I just dropped a bomb back there, and I'm pretty sure I just poo-pooed in my panties. All right. Bear down. Right now, you and me playing catch, all right? Let's play catch. Come on, now. Dunn trying to regain his composure. One run already in, and the bases are still loaded with one out here in the sixth. And there's a wild pitch. One run is scored, and here comes Doyle all the way from second. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast breaking down the realism and authenticity of your favorite sports movies. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today we're covering Summer Catch, and I was fortunate to have Goose from Foul Pole Sports on. If you guys are unfamiliar with Foul Pole Sports, you need to go follow them on Twitter and Instagram uh, if you're a college baseball fan or just a baseball fan in general. They're, uh, they provide a really fun, funny account. A uh, pretty unique look on college baseball, so uh, you know definitely give them a follow and, and check out what the guys are doing over there. We had a good conversation about this movie. It's it's kind of a bummer. You're kind of shit out of luck if you're a college baseball fan when it comes to movies. You've got Summer Catch, and you've got Everybody Wants Some, and that's about it. So uh, we kind of talked about that. What you know had a had a conversation about what college baseball movies would look good on the big screen and stuff like that, and then you know, broke down this movie. So it was definitely a good conversation. I had some internet issues on my end when we were recording. So there might be some rough spots in the uh, in the episode, but I think, you know, got most of that cleaned up and it was a really fun conversation about Summer Catch. If you're enjoying big screen sports, please remember to subscribe and share with anyone you know who's a sports movie fan. Leave a review, you know, those help grow the pod. And I just love hearing what, you know, movies you guys are looking forward to. Moneyball people, I hear you. 
I hear you. We're definitely going to do Moneyball. It's you know it's one of my favorite movies. Trying to lock down a guest for that one right now. But yeah, uh, Moneyball is definitely on the agenda. And let me know what other movies you guys want to hear. If this is your first episode of Big Screen Sports, check out past episodes to see if we've covered any of your favorites. I'm trying to produce evergreen content here, so none of the episodes are too timely. Uh, check out you know past episodes and, and leave a review. Let me know what you think of the old ones. Follow on Twitter at Big underscore Screen Sport and Instagram at Big Screen Sports Pod for sports movie content and upcoming episode details. In the upcoming weeks, we've got Cool Runnings, Teen Wolf, and Necessary Roughness. So a little variety coming up. And then hopefully we're getting Bad News Bears done soon. We've had some scheduling issues with that one, but hoping to knock it out. Uh, with that, it's time to get to Goose and talk Summer Catch. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports. Today I've got with me a special guest for a movie that's really fitting for his talents and what he does on social media. Guest host is Goose from Foul Pole Sports. Goose, how you doing tonight? Good. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Goose, before we get into the movie, uh, before we get talking summer catch, uh, describe what you guys do at Foul Pole Sports. Yeah, so uh, right now we're just, um, you know, social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we do run a website um, where we write and kind of uh, cover college baseball as best we can. Um, kind of a different side. We're not going to sit there and tell you who's going to be the top draft pick this year but we're going to give you more kind of uh talk like a player and, and more of a player centric uh focus on on college baseball and i feel like we're pretty unique but yeah right now we can pick up a lot of steam on social media because uh it's kind of behind the scenes look at a lot of stuff get sent a lot of funny videos and and uh, that's where we really make our hay yeah, I mean, as a as a former player, like y'all have the most relatable college baseball account out there. What are those handles? Where can people follow you? It's Foulpool Sports on both Instagram and Twitter, um, and just foulpoolsports.com. Um, we uh, we write a little bit. We're gonna kind of ramp it up a little bit more next year and kind of through the summer. But uh, we really uh, we're really most active, uh, you know, February to September in the middle of baseball season because that's when all our best content comes. Yeah, make sure you go to their website, check out the uh, this year's all mugshot team. It's a good one. Definitely. Um, but but you're the uh, you're a perfect guest for this movie. Uh, we're doing tonight. We're doing summer catch. IMDb bio: A rich girl whose family summers on Cape Cod has a romance with a local poor boy who hopes to become a major league baseball player. That's the IMDb like synopsis. It doesn't really fit the movie. No, it's 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 boy. kind of like reversed. Yeah, it, it, but it's also like kind of reversed. It makes it seem like the movie's about Jessica Biel and not and not Freddie Prince Jr.'s character. Yeah, I would say the def- definitely it's Ryan Dunn's got to be the main character, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah, stars uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is Ryan Dunn, Jessica Biel is his uh, love interest, Tenley Parrish, uh, and then Matthew Lillard is Billy Brewbreaker. It got an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, which honestly might be a little high. I did see that. I did see that. That was fun. That was funny. It's, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, I think there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of movies that are terribly critically acclaimed, but, you know, they're watchable. Yeah, I mean, this one is watchable. You have to kind of hold on to this one, and we're, we're going to get into that. Is it's the it's one of really two college baseball movies, and it's there's this and there's Everybody Wants Some. Everybody Wants Some is a great movie. I highly recommend anyone check it out. Uh, but it's not too baseball focused. It's very it's there's one real baseball scene. It's more about the baseball team culture, which is great. I really appreciate it. it's really authentic. Can't wait to cover it. But this one is more about the baseball in the field. Does it do a good job of the baseball in the field? Not really. 
So, Goose, uh, right away, is this a Hall of Fame, an all-star, a starter, or a bench warmer for you? Um, it's definitely not a bench warmer because um, I do I, I do like it, but it's not it's it's got it's nothing more than a starter. It, it, it's watch it if if it's on you watch it because it's you know it, it's got some good lines in it, but you're not going to watch it for the baseball part of it if that makes sense. It's a rom com that the guy plays baseball in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't do the baseball justice. It's not a very baseball rich film, as far as a, like a sports movie goes. It might be like a spot starter. Right. It's a, it's a four A player. Yeah, it, it comes up to make a spot start, and then it goes back down to the minors. Exactly. But the reason to watch it, and the reason like that we hold on to it, and when it comes on TV, you turn it on, is like I said, there's not really any college baseball movies, which is is really disappointing. College baseball is really exciting. I mean, obviously it's really undercovered in the media, I'd say. Um, but w- what do you think there is a reason there's not more college baseball? I mean, just two is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think college baseball in general's niche. Um, it's kind of how we're successful is because in Falpo is, it is undercovered. It's got a niche um, kind of feel. It's got a niche following um but the people that do follow it love it right um i mean if you unless you're in the southeast i mean you'll get you know a couple hundred people at a game unless you're those couple um locations i mean if you look at i didn't look it up but michigan was in the college world series final this year i bet you they average less than a thousand per game right it's just kind of the way it is right now it's just kind of that niche sport yeah i mean it just the the thing that surprises me is that there are I think, especially in the course of doing this podcast and planning out episodes, is that there are of all the the entire universe of like sports cinema, there's only I would say the majority are baseball movies. I think baseball makes up the hearty majority of of big time sports movies. There's just more of them, and they've done you know they've done minor leagues, they've done MLB, they've done kids playing little league. They've done even stuff like basketball. It just surprises me they haven't exploited the college baseball game or tried to come up with more stories from that because it's really a blank canvas. You can make a pretty unique, you know, first-of-its-kind movie. And this isn't even technically a college baseball movie because it's a summer summer league movie. I mean, it's college players, but it's not even, you know, the, the in-school dynamic. So it's pretty wild because you think that uh omaha like getting the college world series as a plot device would be pretty sweet yeah that i it would actually be awesome shame that rosenblatt's gone because that'd be a heck of a uh spot to film a movie you know there's a lot of stuff that's happened there but yeah it is it is one of those things where i i think uh now that you say it it is shocking that there's only like two movies Mm -hmm. yeah it's something that i'd love to see you know change in the future but uh before we get going to breaking down summer catch which is about uh, you know, one one college baseball player, uh, play, you know, playing his last summer of baseball in the Cape Cod League, which is summer ball league. Uh, I want to go into the IMDb trivia, just stuff that's kind of relevant to this podcast. And I'm, you know, I've said this in a couple past episodes. It's kind of like uh, IMDb. I'm kind of worried it's like Wikipedia, where you can put up anything in there. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I picked out the stuff that's that's relevant. Uh, Mark Blucas's character, he plays Miles, the, uh, the guy from Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually played basketball at Wake Forest. He started with, uh, Tim Duncan. Really? Noted, uh, yeah. Is, noted. He any, is he in any other movies or is this just his one gig? 
I th- I think this is his one gig. I don't think he's in. I don't think he's in much else. I'd have to. I didn't. I didn't do the deep dive on his IMDb. Oh nope, I was wrong. He's actually in a decent amount of stuff. He's actually been consistently acting. I, I apologize to to Mark Lucas for not appreciating his career. <laughs> uh, but so he was actually an athlete. He wasn't a baseball player, but he was actually an athlete. Uh, this was Wilmer Valderrama's first. This is his feature film debut. I think he was already playing Fez at this point. Uh, yeah, it yeah. came out in two thousand one, but. Um, the, uh, the batter at home plate when the camera pans around, uh, Chatham's home field is, uh, Hyannis's Brendan Harris, who played in the bigs. I think he, he, he played with the Rays. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the manager in the, the, the team's manager is, is manager's name is John Schiffner. That's it's not actually him playing the guy, but that is the guy's name. That was the real life manager of the A's. So they basically had a guy playing him. So at least they went authentic with the with the guy's name. Does that uh, change very often? I feel like summer coaches change almost every year. Why? Well, so I looked this up, and he actually he managed Chatham for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I yeah I'm more of the cape. You know the cape's all about their tradition and. Uh, everything that you know that we can get into, but yeah, I think I think he stepped down recently, but he was the manager of the A's at that time, and he he was for a long time. You know, yeah, the, the Cape does things a little differently, or, or can. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Uh, that, that's about it as far as IMDb goes. But getting into that, uh, let's go into what the best scene was in the movie. I've got four nominees for you. Uh, the first one is when Billy Brewbreaker, played by Matthew Lillard, is skinny dipping, and that's just because I love that Sum 41 song. That feels very early 2000s to me. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Uh, then Ryan's buddy, I think it's Augie or Uggie or something, his speech uh, convincing you know Ryan to show up for the last few games. Uh, then Miles' speech, where he lets the world know that he likes big women. And then the Griffey home run at the end, because just watching Ken Griffey Jr. hit home runs is beautiful. <laughs> that is, it is a sweet swing. Actually, I was going to say that's one of the only uh, parts that's really uh, consistent is they actually had the uh, lineup card from that year of the Phillies, all those guys in there, if you noticed that. Yeah, I saw young Jimmy Rollins hit ninth. Exactly. Pat Burrell, all those guys. I, what I had written down was any scene with Jessica Biel. That's fair. That, yeah, that's a very fair point. But um, I actually did really enjoy the uh, season, the scene you talked about when he was giving him the speech. That that did seem it kind of that's the one scene that kind of hit you in the feels a little bit. Yeah, because they've been jokers the whole day, and then they kind of mm-hmm. kind of turn it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the high points of the movie. We'll get to that in a little bit, uh, but that's a good one. Uh, my pick for worst scene. I'm not giving you any nominees. I'm just telling you what the worst scene is. It's when he leaves the he leaves the no hitter. And he has the, the quote exchange with Jessica Biel where he goes, I just pitched the game of my life, and she responds with, let's be together. It made me want to beat my face in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's – I can't think of a more unrealistic thing to do. Even that it is summer ball, he did have the line that's like, this isn't going to make the globe. When he's right, summer ball really doesn't matter. But at the same time, throwing a no-no in any level of baseballs. It's exciting. You just don't leave it. But yeah, I mean, no way, no way. Especially like, and you've got scouts in the stands, and like, he's been dating this girl for like a month, maybe, um, right. off and on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and June then in July, max. yeah, it's just the corniest dialogue. It's just it's infuriating. It's it's awful. 
But mm-hmm. um, so for you, this podcast, we focus mostly on the authenticity. What was the most authentic part of the movie to you? Was there anything that you could really pull from it? You know, I mean, what I did notice is the guy that wrote the script and, and directed it, he did know, he did understand baseball to an extent. Um, I mean, let's see, I have it written down here. I mean, the the way we can get into the, how the, the main scouts dress, that's utterly, utterly ridiculous. Oh, he's a caricature. Like but the way he did talk to other scouts did seem authentic. You know, he, he called, he said he had a heavy ball at times. Um, you know, he, he was just like the, the, the banter back and forth with how they're like, this can't be right. 95 in the ninth inning. Let's see. Um, and, and actually the fact that he was still interested in a bat after a bad game, like scouts, you can, you can, there's so many stories of people that, you know, they, they go a whole season with like a, you know, one eight ERA and they shove, but you know, they, they throw 87. Right. And they're not like, they just don't get the, but then you have the guy that gets walks a bunch of guys gets hit lit up, but he throws 96. That guy's getting drafted. Right. And the 87 guys not. So I did find that actually a little bit um, accurate. Like he didn't really care that he got lit up. He was scouting his abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the director seemed to at least get what the and the writers seemed to get what the cape was all about. Kind of right. what it's for. They they brought that feel out. Um, so that was good. They they got the feel right in terms of the cape kind of plays at those a lot of like high school looking fields and you know just yeah, people. Think... It's it's not big stadiums or anything like that. You'd have to look, but that might be a real Cape Field that they filmed it at. They they actually they went and filmed in North Carolina, but right. it, I mean it looks it if looks you like you know you can watch a video of the Cape and it looks just like that they play on small looking high school fields, people in lawn chairs coming to watch. Like on the surface, you wouldn't think these are some of the best amateur players in the world, but there mm-hmm. they are, exactly. which is kind of which is kind of the nostalgia, the cool factor of the Cape Cod League. Now there's so many summer baseball leagues that pop up. And, uh, you know, a lot of them actually play in what seem like minor league stadiums, get a lot of attendance, et cetera. The Cape still stays to this kind of, you know, small feel. Right. And speaking, I mean, it is, it is the, the league, right? I mean, there's, there's probably 40 summer ball leagues for college. Um, but it is, it is the only league that you really want to go to. Like it's the best league and there's not really even a second. Um, and it's because I think they still, um, they get it right. It's not about winning baseball games in, in summer as much as as much as the owners want you to to sell tickets. Like it's about development and it's about getting getting looked at by scouts, especially in the in the Cape. And mm-hmm. actually, if you look at their getting social, work in. there's some of the, there's some the people that run the Cape Social are are some of the best uh, to interact with. They're the one people that actually like us. That's that's good news. That if they're if you're gonna get someone on your side, that's who you want. Exactly. Yeah. If you're not paying for the. Uh, playing for the collegiate national team, you want to go to the Cape. So mm-hmm. they, um, and that's where I think the most authentic thing with the movie was, is it's in the first minute of the movie. It's kind of the opening narration. And it basically explains for anyone who doesn't understand what the Cape Cod league is. It just basically says, you know, it gives like the most simple version of it. You know, the Cape league, it, it's something about, you know, the Cape league is, you know, where the best amateur college players in the nation come with hopes of getting paid, getting drafted, etc. Right. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So I, and I actually, the jerseys a... that they used are still the jerseys. 
They're really? still the jerseys that they wear today. I think I was, I was looking up. I haven't changed them. Um, up. No, not much. I mean, some of them have. I think maybe Hyannis, the the blue and the the yellow or the blue and the orange ones are a little different now. But the Chatham A's, I think, still wear the pennies with the A's, blue and blue and red. It's a good look. It's a pretty timeless look. Yeah, none of the uh, the cape doesn't do a lot of the flashy stuff. They don't, you know, they don't seem like they do the like the theme nights or special jerseys or anything like that. Like they keep it pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Probably because the scouts don't want to sit through that crap, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, the scouts already have to sit through enough like minor league shenanigans all all year. So exactly. Yeah. What was the least authentic for you? And this is a really tough question. I I just wrote down the entire movie. Um, for more or less, there like only a few of the actors that played, um, you know, ball players look filled out a uniform. Yes, a lot of them were were just you know they were actors with with baggy uniforms. And actually, one of the things that I noticed right away that bothered me was the size of Brian Dunn's glove. I mean, he's got. It looked like he pulled it off the shelf at Walmart, and he's and it's like a thirteen, right? Like Mm -hmm. it it is uh, the biggest outfielder's mitt you could ever find, and he's he's supposed to be pitching. It's just that's just little stuff that that I I couldn't even imagine trying to have that glove in front of me trying to pitch. On this podcast, I'm always a proponent of cast athletes, not actors. Like if you have to think about it cast someone who's really athletic or who played the sport and they will give you enough where you can teach them to act enough to, especially in this movie. I mean, well, obviously in this movie they had to cast Freddie Prince Jr. Because he was going to sell tickets. That was what I was going to say is, is maybe like if your main character, it's 50, 50, but everybody else doesn't need to be actor, right? You can just get, yeah. go, just get a ball player. And then yeah, they have three lines in the whole movie and t- maybe you have to take a few more takes, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I agree. So yeah, Freddie Freddie was definitely going to sell tickets, but yeah, every, everyone else they should have just surrounded him with ball players. Uh, one other like really unauthentic thing that that jumped out to me was kind of at that end scene. Ryan leaves the no hitter. The scout comes to get him, and they've through the whole movie they've like expressed that Ryan is on his last chance. He right. is, I guess, unwelcome at college. I'll bring that up later. I have some questions about like what is Ryan's college situation, but basically they've said if he doesn't sign, the summer is his last chance. And this scout, the only scout who has talked to him all year, drives to the airport to offer him. He's not giving him seventy five thousand dollars. He's giving him a thousand dollars and a bus ticket <laughs> and saying, "You go to the New York Penn League." You're not getting seventy five thousand dollars. You're not barring. You have no leverage. Just it's it was asinine. There's no way they pay Ryan Dunn. If that you're money. if you're a senior sign or somebody that doesn't um, have any more years of eligibility and you don't get drafted, which happens, and people still get on pro teams, it's like. Hey bud, you can uh, come down to Arizona and you can play on our side fields for, you know, this summer and if you want. Like that's what it is. <laughs> Jake Mangum, who was one of the most celebrated seniors in college baseball this year, had a great year, you know, All-American for Mississippi State, got drafted and signed for $20,000. Exactly. Ryan Dunn is not getting $75,000 in 2001. No, 100%. Where bonuses bonus structure was a lot different. Yeah, that was that was wild. You brought up a bonus structure. Another thing that bothered me was the I, – I didn't look up what, you know, the draft picks got their signing bonuses were in 01. But nobody's turning down $2 bucks in, in uh, 2001. 
and going. It would have made him a top twenty and signing going and playing in the Cape, right? Like, yeah. You either say no and you play your next year, or for which is asinine to start with. But it's like you don't like. Yeah, I'm just gonna go play in the Cape for my leverage. It's like yes or no. There's and there's only one. I think Mark Appel maybe turned down a, a, a draft pick a couple years ago, and that's about it that I can think of. But he went and played a whole. Yeah, other well, year. I mean, a and, lot of times when guys get when guys get popped in the first round, the teams know their know their price tag or they know they're in for a long negotiation. But yeah, that negotiation doesn't mean that they're just going to the Cape and they're going to pitch all summer. That is no way that the guy's agent is going to let them risk exactly. getting hurt with a two million dollar paycheck. Because like Van Lemer could have gone to the Cape and hurt his arm or like you know burn down the fucking clubhouse or whatever he did. <laughs> And then suddenly his offer is like, all right, seven hundred fifty thousand, take it or leave it. Exactly. Like that—that's not how you get. That's—that's that's not how you get leverage. Like by pitching well, they already drafted you. They think high of enough of you to be a first-round pick, which like Van Lieber presumably was a first-round pick if he got offered two million dollars. Mm-hmm. You're not going to improve. You know, the only the leverage you have is by sitting out close to the signing deadline and them getting worried about losing their first-round pick. So yeah, that's extremely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he, speaking of Van Lee, he is the only other guy that filled out a uniform nice. But he did Yeah, have, he looked – he actually looked like he could he throw the ball. He did have – like the first scene, his first start, his his sleeve was on his – he had one sleeve, which sometimes happens, but he had it on his glove arm. And then do you want to talk about the glove? Van Lemer's glove? Yeah, it's not even – well, it's not legal. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it could be legal in the summer league because there's really no rules, but like – it has to be now. They've gotten a little lax because you can have like blue. It's either got to be like earth tones or it's got to be a solid color. I believe I'd have to check, but like that's just not like you don't have a glove like that. I mean, you just know some costume guy in the movie was like, "Oh, look at this for the rebel for the player who's a rebel and he's too cool for school." Let's give him the the flame glove. <laughs> exactly. It's so bad. that's what you buy your your four year old to try and get him to like baseball. Yeah, they don't even have like I have a five year old. They don't even make gloves like that. Like they don't even go that that bizarre. So really, really disappointing stuff with with Van Lemer's glove. They could have made him look a lot cooler than they actually did. I mean, I get it was the two thousands, like the bleach tips and stuff he had. You know, those were gonna fly, but the the glove and the sleeve on the wrong arm is just wild. But he did look like he could throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he did. He he felt he had some pipes. Were there was there anything else that was like worked or was realistic to you that that you think this movie did? Um, you know, a, a funny one. And this could like really take us off the rails here, but the the fact that that Fez I'm gonna call him Fez because I don't know his real name in the movie was banging <laughs> the host mom, like that that shit yeah. happens. Like I, I've heard like there's 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 host moms that just are super weird and they got something that's not quite clicking up there and that they do that. It's, I, I really, I, I know if like, it's not the most obvious thing that might be somebody that hasn't been in that world. Like that would never happen. Like that shit happens. <laughs> Let's talk. Baseball is a game full of legends and lore. I'm just another baseball legend, Amo. Now, I know you've heard some stories about me. Some of them are true. You can tell your own stories, Damo. 
but I can help you with your baseball career. Yeah, I've, I mean, there are host parent horror stories, exactly. too. Just like the, the weird host parent. I had a couple teammates who basically were forced to live in like just a like a, a basement with a concrete floor and a freezer down there. It was it was like a mm-hmm. horror movie. So there are just weird, weird host parent stories. I mean, that was that was obviously one of the, the funnier ones in this movie, but it, it was a good yeah. one. Uh, I loved the manager ripping the dugout heater. I'm actually not sure that would fly in the cape, but he's just smoking a heater, Jim Leland style, in the dugout. I thought thought that was really funny. It's not going to fly now. It might in 01. Yeah, 01. Yeah, 01 is. Uh, yeah, 01 is is a different uh, different animal. Um, the uh, the guy we kind of talked about this earlier. That guy Miles, uh, who played basketball at Wake Forest. Uh, he he looked like an athlete. He at least looked mm-hmm. fluid out there, and I think that's why they gave him something of a storyline. They actually showed him in action because they didn't really show a lot of the main characters in action. Right. Um, another thing, just about dialogue. Um, I'd have to look the catcher's name. I'm gonna go back here. Uh, Billy. Uh, Billy, Billy Brubaker. Brubaker. His um, he he was a you know didn't play. Um, he didn't look like a baseball player, but he act, the way he talked. Was actually he carried himself actually, like it. I I I met that guy. You know what I mean? Like some like in the in the bar when when the guy was um the guy we were talking about was talking about the butts like looking at dudes butts like his reaction to that was like spot on like all right dude he was my favorite character. I mean I love Matthew Lillard in general, but he was my favorite. He was the most likable character in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I mean he he definitely got the vernacular of being a baseball player. If that makes sense. One thing I didn't even write this down, but I just kind of thought about it is that the summer ball friendship between Billy and Ryan made a lot of sense. That's something that had like you get very close with the, your summer ball teammates in a very short amount of time because you're all just compressed together for two months. Yeah, that's that's leave. it's kind of crazy how like baseball player like for you know ninety percent. They're, they all are the, like baseball teams are all the same. There's always that weird kid, right? There's always this guy that thinks he's too cool for everybody. And then you always have like just that group that like you just can, you always connect with somebody on the baseball team. Even if you haven't met the guy ever, like you go to a ball team and it's just like, I don't know. It, they're just, they just operate on the same wavelength a lot of the time. Yeah. And they bring that in with, uh, with Billy and Ryan. It's a good, I mean, right away. Did you have any before we get into the list of what didn't work, what this movie kind of kind of failed at? Did you have anything else that that looked realistic or seemed realistic? Um, yeah, another thing would be like getting bumped out of the rotation, like that. If you have like a you know bad outing or something, and you get bumped out of the rotation, and and summer ball, which happens, like that that is there's no worse feeling. Like, that makes you want to go home immediately. Like I don't want to be here anymore. And it's summer ball; it doesn't really matter. Like. I, I totally understood where he's coming from. He already was home, so I mean the cape's a little different, but that hundred percent was with that happens every year. Yeah, I think even my second year of summer ball, uh, I got moved to the bullpen, and I was I was a little pissed about it because so I was like, "This is summer ball. I, I'm here to get my work in. I'm not gonna get my work in in the bullpen." Right. Yeah. It's a, it's like it's like well, then why am I here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah that was realistic. As far as what wasn't realistic, um, just some like some. Just to set up some caveats before we go into what's realistic and like before you just think that we're just going to rip this movie apart. I don't think this movie 
I always go back to it. Trouble with the Curve is the worst baseball movie because it tried its hardest to make you think that it was a super smart, really serious baseball movie. Made it think that it wanted you to think that it was as smart as like the book Moneyball. This movie isn't trying to do that. Like this movie isn't hung up on are we the most like a super baseball authentic movie. It was more like we're going to make a summer rom-com. It's going to be about baseball. We're going to make a shit ton of money. It's going to be good. It actually didn't make much money. But on paper, Freddie Prince Jr., Jessica Biel should have made a lot of money. 100%. Um, but, but again, the reason I started this podcast is it drives me crazy when people make sports movies and don't do a good job with this stuff. So, uh, you know, the, the biggest issue for me, or at least something that there's no concept of time in the movie. You don't know how far into the season they are at any point. Like when Billy's struggling, when Billy's hitless, okay, well, is Billy hitless? Has he been hitless for a week? Has he been hitless for the entire month of June? That that would make a huge difference into, into how we're watching him freak out. We never know at what point in the season and or how long Ryan's been pitching or anything like that. It's kind of wild. Yeah. And he ended up getting up to like 296 was, which is unbelievable. It seemed like it made it mm-hmm. sound like he was hitless for like two weeks at least, and then to get back, like if you're hit, hitless for two weeks and you really only got like five or six more, like getting it above the Mendoza line's a miracle. Let alone two ninety. Yeah, I mean, like think about what Chris Davis went through to start this year. Right. Like it, it would take him a it would take Chris Davis a a lot of hits to get up to two ninety six even now. So. Um, yeah, it was it was just really disappointing that they didn't kind of lay out what was going on. They didn't even you know give you a feel of what time it was in the season, which I, I think could have made the movie better. I'm also confused about Ryan's eligibility. They say he got kicked out of Boston College and kicked out of like that Framington State right. or whatever. Like, did he use all four years? It sounds like he was you know just kicked out of two schools pretty quickly. Yeah, um, that. That kind of is a plot hole because it's the Cape, if that makes sense. If there's mm-hmm. if it's just a random summer ball league, that doesn't really matter because like I, I played on on teams where like the guys graduated and so he had zero more no more eligibility left to play college baseball, but he still wanted to play baseball, still wanted to try and make indie ball. So he's playing summer ball, playing college summer ball. Because there's really no rules. Now the Cape's a whole different I don't if you don't have any eligibility left, you're probably not gonna be able to get into the Cape. It's a whole mm-hmm. different ball game, right? But yeah, that did, that did seem bizarre. It, it 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 seemed like he was like he doesn't have any eligibility left, and if he doesn't make it this summer, he's not gonna play baseball anymore. Which doesn't really work in the Cape aspect because it's like so exclusive just to get an invite, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're they're not really giving invites to guys who got kicked out of Framingham State or whatever it was. He would have had to have gone to one of those lesser summer ball leagues and just tried to light up a radar gun and get someone to sign him. Exactly. And the the biggest issue with the movie, I think, is that Freddie Prince Jr. just isn't good. I think that's like the crux of the movie is that Freddie Prince Jr. is not good at baseball. He doesn't look good in the uniform. He doesn't throw the ball well. He doesn't strike you as a pitcher, and that's really frustrating to watch. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. It it looks like a JV player at best. You know, what I mean, JV high school doesn't doesn't fill out the uni. Doesn't doesn't look like he ever really played, which. It's no, because I do like him as an actor. Yeah, I mean, I really like Freddie Prince Jr. Like, loved him in uh, in Scooby Doo. But I mean, he was cat. You know, he wasn't cast because 
you know, again, this is like a teenage rom-com kind of movie. You know, the casting in 2011, they weren't casting, you know, focusing on, hey, we're going to cast a super serious baseball player. So, uh, you know, that is what it is, but it, it is kind of what you come back to is that Freddie Prince Jr. can't really throw the ball and his delivery looks stiff. What else didn't work for you? What what, what wasn't realistic? Um, Just, I mean, little things uh, that bothered me when I was looking at a critical eye, the, that first practice – um, they were like throwing bullpens and it seemed to me, it seemed like they threw like four pitches and then just like tossed to the next guy. And was like, you're up, bud, that type mm-hmm. of deal, which like doesn't, I mean, you're going to full throw a full 20 pitch bullpen probably at least. And when it's, you're probably going to be you, your catcher and the pitching coach is all. Yeah. They, they definitely breeze through those pens. What did you think about him sleeping on the field? Yeah, I had that written down. That's just a psycho move. It's it's fucking awful. Like like what? That I mean, what? You can't set an alarm. Like and then you still were late, so it didn't even work. Yeah, you got to know that it's going to be just the worst call ever. Like nothing, nothing good is going to come of that, especially when your your fucking friends from high school know that you're there, and you just know that's not going to end well. Also, how do you not wake up when the sun comes up if you're sleeping outside? Oh, you're hammer drunk, I guess. But <laughs> just it's so tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, in two thousand one, with no cell phone alarm, you're and it's an eight a.m. practice. I mean, that's suicide. I'd never. I would never. I mean, you're probably gonna wake up when the sun wakes up, I guess. But like, not if you're drinking. A lot of uh, and it started with this. Started with that scene. A lot of bad like Massachusetts accents in this movie. And Freddie Prince Jr.'s completely disappears towards the end of the movie. He goes from like, I'm going to try to be a Massachusetts. He he was like, I'm going to try to be a Massachusetts guy like early in the movie. By the end of it, it's done. He's Freddie. (laughs) Freddie's back to LA. Freddie was mentally back to LA before the movie, before the movie wrapped. That's fine. I mean, it was so bad of accents. I didn't really notice that they were trying to do accents, I guess. Occasionally his buddies had a little uh, stop the car in them, but that's it. Yeah. The, the buddies kept it up all movie. They had, they, they kept the Massachusetts thing up. You mentioned this earlier about Van Lamer wouldn't even be pitching in the Cape. His first game, he throws a CG. Like his agent would have a heart attack. Right. Uh, unless it's a 90-pitch CG, right? Like, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. You're uh, you're on strict innings and pitch limits at that Yeah, at that even point. in 2001. Mm, 100%. 100%. If, you have a, if you have a $2 million price tag on you, even in 2001, you're getting treated with kid gloves. Yeah, I mean, those guys, the best guys, they'll – They'll finish their season in June. They'll they'll go home for four or five days, and then they'll go to the Cape for, let's see, their coach wants 35 innings, like, or that might be a little low, but 40, 50 innings. Like, once he hits that innings, like, he's gone. Doesn't matter if they're, mm-hmm. like, first in, the, first in the division or whatever. Like, sorry, dude, I got no more bullets in my arm for this, for this year because in all reality, this doesn't really matter. Yeah, but Van Lamer's just out there throwing CGs and and flipping a coin with his two million dollars every time he goes out to the mound. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What else did you have? What else did you have written down for not so realistic? There's a lot of nitpicky stuff, like fun nitpicky stuff in this yeah, movie. Like yeah, like I said, like you, the directors at least they felt like they knew the gist of the cape, but they didn't. I don't know if they were ever played baseball. Like the little thing when he did the, I don't know what, like he shook off the catcher a bunch and then he did like the middle finger and twirled it around. And that meant a slider. I don't know. Like he threw it down and away to a lefty. Like what, 
like kind of like unwritten rule not that it ever really happens I've, I've never had it given to me but like the middle finger is usually like throw it at the dude's back yeah plunk a guy but even then like that's kind of like just like hey that's what it means you're never gonna get it but like that's what it means i don't know how that suddenly means slider down and away mm-hmm. yeah you yeah you wouldn't uh it would be like he'd be having to read his mind or something exactly it's like hey we've we've, we've worked on this one pitch like oh let's bring it out in the third inning like it's just out of nowhere. Did you notice when uh, when Ryan gives up the the bomb? The announcer said something about it's a bomb, and the ball like it was a fence scraping three hundred and ten foot home run. Oh, it, it looked like it looked like a guy was standing in short left field and just like threw it. That's what the ball looked like when it was going over the fence. Like it wasn't. It didn't have the trajectory of a home run. You know. No, yeah, that that's like a telltale sign of baseball movies that kind of took shortcuts to get things. Is none of the balls their trajectory looks right. And the, uh, another little thing is when when all these actors were swinging, swinging and missing, like they were missing the ball by like eighteen inches. Like they mm-hmm. weren't even close. Especially when Billy's going through his slump. I right. mean, he's just he's dying out there. Like he is not. He can't even sniff the ball. Yeah, he's uh, swinging with a blindfold. Uh, Ryan's the start that he has where he goes nine innings. And this gets me to another point too. Was the manager the worst? Was he the worst bullpen manager of all time? He wouldn't pull anyone. Ryan's like dying out there. He's in the ninth inning. He's loaded up the bases. Like bring in that closer, man. Like get the guy out of there. He's probably throwing 150 pitches. Yeah. It seems like they just didn't, uh, they didn't have the, uh, cast capacity for a bullpen. (laughs) <laughs> like they had the one bull the one closer that slept the whole time that was it yeah it was like him him the closer that slept a night ryan and van lemer the only players on the team the only pitchers on the team it was just right. it was those guys are nothing but ryan's start where they're like this is a you know it was a disastrous start it went nine innings five hits three walks so that's a whip of less than one exactly gives up five runs but most of them are on that bomb in the ninth when he's just dead out there and should have been pulled anyways it's a really good start if you threw nine innings in the cape with a whip of lower than one that's amazing 100 percent. like he he should be going away from that game like oh we lost but i definitely got paid today <laughs> or and at least we're not gonna make the, the playoffs like like that that should be more of the that's what an actual guy that was playing no it's a little different because he lives in the cape but so he's already at home so he's not waiting to get home but I mean, you, you throw nine innings, it's, there's going to be a ton of scouts there. Like, that's a win, regardless of what the score is. Because the score doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they were going to make Ryan fail or, like, have his start bad, like, they should have had him not get out of the second inning or something. Yeah. Like, or, like, he throws three good innings, and it's, like, in the fourth, like, oh, Ryan Dunn's in trouble, and then he gets, you know, he gets lit up and he gets pulled. Now he gets all the way to the ninth. Like, I can count on one hand how many times I almost threw a CG in my life. Like, that's that's an incredible feat. Especially in the Cape Cod League. I'd like to go look at like last year's Cape Cape stats, how many CGs there were. I bet you it's less than five. Oh, 100. Yeah, no way. And I mean, whole, especially because coaches don't want their guys to go that, that far. Right. And it's just that rare one where you got a sinker baller out there. He gets an 87 pitch complete game. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to take you out. But <laughs> yeah, just a dude pitching to contact yeah. gives the bullpen a rest. Uh, what else? What else did you have written down? Um, it, when Billy broke the bat over his knee, I mean, what are you doing? You're you're not uh, Bo Jackson, like that looked like that looked 
They was shiny, look like a maple bat. Like there's zero chance Billy Brewbreaker, string beans breaking a bat over his knee. Billy Brewbreaker looked like he weighed a solid 170, sopping wet. 100%. 100%. And that takes that takes massive strength. What did you think about the kind of the subplot of Van Lemer and his buddy being like massive dicks and talking shit to Ryan? Like we probably both had teammates we didn't like. I don't think I've ever blatantly told someone like I'm not rooting for you. You're gonna get you're gonna get murdered tonight. Like that guy, that team's gonna kill you. Yeah, that just doesn't even in summer ball. It's just like if you don't like a guy, you just don't talk to him, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're not gonna. I don't know. It just seemed, but I think is is more a decision they had to make for the movie rather than the baseball because you have to have an antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just no. There's not really going to be that type of thing. Um, in there, it's be, another thing I wanted to point out was like the last scene, which I was at, when I was looking at this through a critical eye, like the whole movie made sense in terms of like this Cape Cod and like how this like baseball to a to an extent. It was like badly shot in terms of like the how the players looked and stuff but the whole gist of it worked until the last game when he just leaves and then the relievers asleep on the bench he's like hey get in here and pitch he's like oh it turned into a very like corny fake <laughs> right, thing. yeah he's like get it like get in here and pitch he's like well i have uh, been sitting on the bench for two and a half hours uh i'm not gonna get in there and throw 95 like i do in one pitch like that just doesn't happen I don't think uh, I don't think the ump's gonna give me more than eight because this is not an injury. This is you going fucking crazy and just leaving the field. Yeah, exactly. I just that that was when I was like that was when I went from yeah it looks weird but it's pretty accurate to like okay let's get at it. let's let's be serious here. Yeah, they went for the 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 ultimate cheesy ending. The last thing I've got is uh, I don't think Hank Aaron's out there scouting in the Cape. I, I had that written down too, and it, it was. I think that has to be just like an Easter egg for baseball fans, right? Because they don't address that it's Hank Aaron. Yeah, it definitely was an Easter egg. There's no. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're just like, hey, you know, he was probably around. They flew him out for the movie, treated him really nice for a day. But Hank Aaron's not sitting out there with a with a radar gun scouting Ryan Dunn. You have the main. You have the main scout kind of like look at like he. It was kind of cool though. How it's like. The main scout like, was not expecting to see Heron, Hank Aaron either, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, like without saying, whoa, that's Hank Aaron, he was like, holy shit. Like, why the hell is Hank Aaron right next to me? Yeah, he definitely put on his best oh shit face. Yeah, 100%. Who'd you have for the best on-screen athlete? Um, Which is, actually, I had the, um, let me go back and get the freaking name. The, the Wake Forest guy. Let me get his real Miles. Name. Miles. Miles Dalrymple. I mean, he, he looked he, – he he's the only one that had a swing, and when he hit it, he it looked good, right? Like the, that first uh, that first game, he like had a double down a line or something, and he, he looked like he could swing the stick a little bit. Yeah, I had Miles as well, uh, played by Mark Lucas, whose career I insulted earlier. Uh, <laughs> the, only other, the only other person I had was the guy who played Van Lemer, Corey 100%. Pearson. So I did some digging earlier. on him. The guy who played Van Lemer, Corey Pearson, has not really acted in much after. I searched his name on Baseball Reference. I found a Corey Pearson. There's no picture. And their birth dates are the same, like, same year, same day, except they're a month apart. So I'm thinking there was a typo somewhere. Played one, Yeah, played one season of short season. And I, I think that's my guy. 
Probably. So, I th- yeah, I think that I think that lines up. And he, I mean, he looked. He had an athletic delivery. He looked like he was actually bringing the ball a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I could believe that. Uh, for worst on-screen athlete, I've, I mean, is there anyone except Freddie Prince Jr.? Uh, Billy Brewbreaker. Yeah, he didn't look great. He just got much less play than, than right. Freddie Prince it, Jr. It, it was tough. You're right. It, it's tough watching Freddie Prince Jr. do a, a wind-up, you know. 35 times because it was bad. I mean, it almost looks like they taught him how to throw left-handed. You know, that might've been what it was. He might've been right. Righty. And for whatever reason they needed, they needed the the character to be a lefty because it was, it was not good. Nobody, just the, like the tempo of how he went about it. His hands were moving all over the place. I don't know. It's just not, you would never really see that in a, in a college it was game. very stiff. They did a lot to hide it. They didn't really do a lot of just straight shots of him throwing the ball, just a straight up delivery. They did a lot of close ups and some weird side angles and stuff. But what they gave you wasn't good. No, wasn't good at all. The Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. I've I've two. Well, I have two nominees. One is one is two people, but they go together. Uh, Billy Brewbreaker, who while not looking very athletic, was very enjoyable. We kind of talked about him earlier. And then uh, Pete and Augie, Ryan's friends. Pete kind of looked like Cheddar Bob, like he gave yes. me Cheddar Bob vibes. Yes. And, and then, uh, and then his his other buddy Augie. I, I I did like them because they were just so ridiculous. Like one time, I with the the scene where he was, uh, I don't know which one's which, but the shorter one was like, "Hey, what if I cut my arm off? You think they let me in the Special Olympics?" <laughs> and the guy, it's really like. You just you need to go stand over by that trash can and think about what you just said. Like, that was a great line. Like, just get out of here. Yeah, I could have used a little more of uh, Augie. And, I'm just gonna call Pete Cheddar Bob. So a little more Augie and, and Cheddar Bob in the movie. Right. They were just they were this classic like kind of bummy Massachusetts friends. Uh, a little hat tip to the late great Brittany Murphy in this movie, playing uh, playing Ryan's first first minute of the movie love interest. And then can't forget her. Gave everybody crabs. Oh yeah, yeah. She was. Uh, she got around. She, <laughs> yeah. she unfortunately, Brittany Murphy played a really good uh, trashy girl. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but love her. R.I.P. Love Brittany Murphy. Loved everything she did. Uh, but yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Billy Brewbreaker for my best supporting character. I really, again, he didn't look that good on the field, but I just in is it was what you said earlier about he kind of picked up the baseball lingo and you've you've seen that guy before you've played with that guy before yeah so i i really i really liked him i've always liked matthew lillard in general just like the shaggy. like a lot of the stuff he does yeah exactly shaggy it's funny this is uh fred and shaggy in this movie because we had freddie prince yeah, jr 100%. and and matthew lillard um for the big chill uh the the big chill which is uh, every good sports movie has a moment that gives you the chills, makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I've only got one, and we basically touched on it earlier. It was the speech that that Augie gives uh, Ryan when he says he's going to leave the cape or quit the cape. Really emotional, really surprising from this movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. Though this, in along the same lines, it's the speech that his brother gives him behind the bar. It's mm-hmm. that's, all that's in that a good one too. Ten minutes of the movie where you know it's like. For the whole movie, it's he's kind of struggling with himself. Like, yeah, I'm kind of here by myself. I got to figure this out by myself. And then, like, he realizes, like, 
my buddies want me to succeed. Like they're just, they're like, they're so proud of me that I'm doing what I'm doing. His brother who has been a dick the whole time. Is like, man, like you have, you were still have a chance of what they couldn't do. Right. And then, and then, um, Jessica Beal says the same thing. Like, just go do it. Like, it's like it, that in that 10 minutes, it was like the whole feeling changed. It's kind of the build up to the no, pseudo no, no. But I, I did think, I didn't think that was kind of almost the same speech by a different guy. Yeah, the the whole squad gets behind him, but uh, Augie's especially really stuck out. It was really good. It was something that almost didn't fit in this movie. Like right. it was very <laughs> very emotional. It wasn't very light and airy at all. It was the, he was a dumb stoner for the whole movie, and then he just pulled out this Rocky speech. I'm not going to go into the how to improve it unless you have anything really good, because I think there's just so much of this movie that you'd have to to fix, and I think like you'd have to recast it and. It's a lot, but I have a question for you before we before we wrap this up. Are Tenley and Ryan still together after one season in Pro Bowl? Like a year from that that meeting at the airport, are they <laughs> are they still together? <laughs> I mean, if he goes to Pro Bowl, um, the fact that his Pro Bowl is in Northern New York gives him like you know fifteen twenty percent chance because it's close to Massachusetts. But it, even then, like. So much things that I mean, you're gone for six months of the year, and a girl that looks like Jessica Biel is going to have plenty of suitors, right? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. I mean, especially you don't have. Uh, they don't have much of a basis for their relationship. I mean, they've got like a month. He's heading off to the New York Penn League, and then you know he he's going to be around the area, but he's not always going to be around her. There's no texting or anything. There's really not a lot there. True. There's no. I, I just think there's no way. I, I I don't like them together. You don't like them together. Or you don't, I don't think they'll I, be together. I don't <laughs> think they'll be together, and I'm really not sure I like them together either. I don't think their families mesh well at all. This was like a bad dad movie, hall of like hall of fame bad dad movie on oh, both yeah. sides. Yeah. Two dickheads. Two complete dicks. Actually, last question is: is the guy who plays. The guy who plays Ryan's dad in this movie is Fred Ward. Is he a worse dad in this movie or in Joe Dirt? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I would have to – I mean, if you watch it again, like the first line he says to uh, Ryan is actually good. Uh, or maybe it's the second. But the first line after a game because they were talking about um, the team. He's like, you pit playing tonight? He's like, well, yeah, but I'm not playing. You know, this uh, this Van Lemer guy's pitching. He's like, he's good. He's like, yeah, I throw hard. It's like, harder than you. And he's like, yeah. He's like, not many people throw harder than you. That was as emo- that was that was him saying, "I love you, son." Right there. That's true. That, that that's the closest <laughs> he's got. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not getting anything else. Like, you're that was him saying, like, you're kind of good at baseball, but <laughs> you're not getting anything else out of that guy. Yeah, then then but then he gets home after throwing nine innings in the cape and his dad just kind of like shitting on him. One big mistake. Like instead of just being like, "Hey son, you just gave it your, you know, you gave it hell out there. You threw nine innings in the best amateur league in the world. Congratulations, he, son." He played a good alcoholic dad though. He did. He did. He played the uh good good dickhead manual labor dad. He really I mean, he fits that mold. He kind of has that look. He's 100%, you know mowing lawns and he's got a sam adams every night when he leaves home when he gets home absolutely that was one of the things that worked in this movie uh there there weren't a lot but but fred ward definitely fit the part goose thanks so much for coming on man i really appreciate you uh, coming to break down summer catch tell the people again where they can follow you uh and the guys at foul pole sports 
Yeah, it's uh, Foulpole Sports, all one word on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and FoulpoleSports.com, we'll try and keep uh, getting those posts up for uh, writing and stuff. But we, uh, we're pretty active on social, and I think you'll have a, have a little chuckle out of the stupid shit that all these college kids send us. Yeah, it's a it's a great account to follow, especially if you played college baseball. And thanks again for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's awesome. And if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at big underscore screen sport and Instagram at big screen sports pod. Uh, for just sports movie content and information on upcoming episodes. If you like the episode, make sure to rate, leave a review. Let me know what you think. Let me know what movies you're looking forward to. And we'll catch you next Thursday. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.